Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. But today is Palm Sunday, and I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. And before I start, I just want to tell you that if you go to church your whole life, there's a lot of messages that you're going to hear over and over again. And, you know, for instance, in the Jewish culture, uh, all the different feasts are yearly and annual feast. It's like every single month there's a feast. Uh, or even something like communion that we're asked to do with regularity. Sometimes when you are exposed to something a lot over and over, it tends to lose its effectiveness. But I would just really, really encourage you to experience everything that you experience in our Christian journey, whether it's Easter, uh, Palm Sunday, whether it's Christmas, uh, whatever it might be, uh, experience it with a fresh heart each time by sort of analyzing your life, where you are, what could God do in me today? How could he speak something to me as if it were the first time and me be inspired? So don't kind of take the approach of, man, I've heard this story so many times. Well, you're going to hear it every other year that you're alive if you're a Christian because that's, <laughs> that's the point of us walking out our faith is to regularly re-examine important areas of our life that God wants to speak to us on. So that's what we're going to do today with our Palm Sunday message. So it's Matthew chapter 21, and uh, I'll just read it, and then I'll explain some of it. It's going to be great today. Uh, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. For if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Uh, that, this is to fulfill Zechariah 9.9, where it quotes that, saying, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted another quoting of the Old Testament scripture in Psalms, Hosanna to the son of David, which is a messianic title. So this is people that are putting on Jesus for the first time ever here. We're seeing corporately groups of people recognizing whether they're in the moment, having fun with it, mocking it, actually really doing it, whatever, they're publicly using something that is reserved only for the Messiah. And they said, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and said, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Now I'm going to jump over to Luke chapter 19. At this point in the story in Luke, it adds something that's not here. And in the synoptic gospels, the gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell similar stories of the same types of things, but some of them have additional information that are not in other ones. That's why it's great to have all of them. This says, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. It's the same story. He sees Jerusalem. He sees the place that represents God's people. I'm looking at a church right now. 
who represent God's people. As I look online at those that are watching with us all over the world, I'm looking into the eyes of people that represent God's people. The same way Jesus is looking at this city that represents God's people, and it says he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And it goes on, now we pick back up here in Matthew 21 with verse 12. <clears throat> it says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. Once again, quoting the Old Testament. But you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, they were angry. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read, quoting scripture again, from the lips of children and infants, you Lord have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Today I'm gonna preach to you, right from the Bible on Palm Sunday. Father, thank you for your presence, your faithfulness, your love. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. I thank you, God, that we are a church who believes in healing. Lord, we are a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you move supernaturally in the hearts of those that have faith. Stir our faith up today to believe for miracles in our lives, in our family members' lives. We pray for next weekend at City of Life Church, God, that Easter weekend would be a revival. Lord, that we would see people come to you that have been written off by every imaginable person. But I thank you, God, that you see value in people that no one else does because man looks on the outward appearance, but you look on the heart. We pray in Jesus' name that this message today is blessed and people be encouraged and lifted up and drawn toward you this Easter week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So we've got, we've got Palm Sunday today. Uh, on Thursday, we've got Maundy Thursday which uh, Mondi is the Latin word for mandate, which on, on that day, that's a day where I would really suggest we have some curriculum that we're going to be using in a small group format. Uh, that, that's the time that Jesus uh, not only shared the Last Supper with his disciples, but he got down and washed their feet. So we have a curriculum uh, that we're going to do in a small group format here at City of Life on Thursday that you'll be able to get. Uh, and you can be a, participate in that small group. And you say, a small group of washing feet. Uh, well, that's actually what Jesus did. He got down and he washed his disciples' feet. And it's, a, it's an act of service. It's an act of love. So there's a lot of power in that. Then uh, on Good Friday, uh, that's, that's the day that Jesus died. And, and it's good for us, but it wasn't so good for him in the moment. Uh, but it's a day that we really are going to focus on the cross and then you have Holy Saturday, that's the day he was in the grave, and you have Resurrection Sunday. So this week is a, a powerful week, but it really kicks off in a huge way uh, with what we're talking about today. So before I completely get into the message, I do want to start with a question. Have you ever been disappointed in something that you had high expectations for? Okay, uh, don't point at anyone, okay? That's, this is really, that's very uh, accusatory and, and not cool in church. 
Uh, but, you know, I, I'll tell you one in recent memory, memory that uh, comes to me is um, the Popeye's chicken sandwich. You may love that sandwich, and that's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing you. I'm not saying it's a terrible sandwich. But I don't know if it's just a Christian thing or whatever, but I love Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I just think they are the best. I think a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich is the original. Don't put your thumb down, son. Don't be, don't be a hater. Be a celebrator. Lift, lift it up a little bit. Uh, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches are, are just perfect. Now look, if you're young and you don't remember this, I'm going to speak to some people that have a little bit of years on the other ones here today. Who remembers where the only place you could get Chick-fil-A was at the mall? You remember when you went to the mall, and you ain't even going to believe this. The, the kids are going to be like, how come they don't do this anymore? But I'm telling you straight up, when you used to walk through the mall, you could smell the Chick-fil-A when you walked in, and there'd be someone standing outside with a giant plate full of chicken strips with toothpicks in them. I don't know about you, but number one, I'll be taking three of them every time. Number two, I'll be coming up using fake accents after it was over with to get as many as I could. Oh, hello, thank you very much. We love these over across the pond. You know, I mean, like, I just was, like, getting as many as They're so good. So I love me some Chick-fil-A, but everybody was talking about these Popeye's chicken sandwiches. You can't get none of them, they would say. You, 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 they're, they're sold out, and they're sold out for six months. And just the demand of how much people wanted them made me want it really bad. But I'm just going to be straight with you. When I ate it, it had too much mayonnaise on it, and it just wasn't that good. It just wasn't as good as a Chick-fil-A sandwich to me. Let me tell you something, another thing that's a little bit overrated, class reunions. I ain't never been to no class reunion. I never, I just, in 2020, that was my 30-year high school class reunion. I had never been to a single class reunion. I ain't going to tell you none of the details from it, but all I'll say Overrated, disappointed, okay? So, so when, <laughs> I want you to think of that idea for a second about things that you maybe have built up in your life that you thought were these amazing things and they were slightly or mildly uh, disappointing. And uh, now look, I'm 50. I'll be 50 in August and, and I got you know, to hold on here for a couple months. Uh, but the truth is one of the things, I will say one thing about my class reunion is like when I walked up, there were these people that were sitting outside that were just like, you know, I, I thought they were like maybe like, well, n never mind, never mind. Okay, I'll ju I'm just going to go on. I just didn't think they were in my class. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so so pa pass my dad said that's a good idea. Uh, so I love your wisdom. I love your wisdom, Father. You're amazing. So Passover, it, it's a celebration feast. If you could try to imagine Christmas the way we make a big deal out of Christmas. Passover uh, in the Jewish life is the biggest, most important uh, feast to them. And people would come back from all over the world. Some people say that over a million people would be in the city at that time. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in transit. If you were a Jew and you were outside of Jerusalem, you would say uh, at Passover, you would look at another Jew who you're celebrating with. You would say, you know, this year... Birmingham, next year, Jerusalem. That, that's something you would say to the, the two of each other, if you were in Birmingham, of course. Uh, you, you would say that because the goal was that the dream is to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. So this is a time where everyone's coming back. Just a quick backstory on Jesus with the, the turning over the money changers. At Passover, the reason he got so upset at the way people were, were exchanging money is people would come 
and you had, if you couldn't, if you were from out of town and you didn't have an animal to bring with you and you were traveling light, you needed to buy an animal so that you could have a, a sacrifice, atoning sacrifice for your family. So what was happening is it's like a supply and demand thing. You remember like when the hurricanes were coming through here when people were selling generators for like $5,000 and stuff like that? They're driving up the price of something that people need, but in this case, they're doing it for something spiritual. People needed uh, doves. They needed birds. They needed, they needed you know, something to, to atone for their family, but people were charging like 10 times more. So Jesus was so angry at people trying to profit off the true need that people had. So this is this this whole Passover atmosphere is very charged. Uh, and, and I want you to think of this in this story, why this, why we are on Palm Sunday talking about this. Everything is supercharged. You've got all this political conflict with Rome that is occupying Jerusalem, but letting the Sanhedrin and letting Jerusalem, the, the, the Jews kind of run their own affairs in their own kind of way, but they don't really want them there. So, and, and by the way, everything Jesus spoke about Jerusalem being torn down to the ground, every rock in 70 AD, Rome finally did sack Jerusalem and destroyed everything. And when we read the writings of Josephus, we find that what Jesus said is totally true, completely destroyed the temple, completely destroyed everything. So all the stuff that Jesus said when he was weeping, looking at Jerusalem, they didn't understand what was going on. This volatility that was taking place at this particular time, uh, the, 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 the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and the Pharisees hated Jesus. They wanted him dead, not so much simply because he was saying he was the Messiah, but they realized that even if he was the Messiah or if what he was doing was real, it was going to cause them to lose their power. It's the same reason we hate Jesus. They hated Jesus for the same reason that we push him out. Is we, they realized if this is real, I've got to give up. If this is real, I'm not allowed to do the things that I want to do anymore. And I think that's what's going on. This struggle is huge. And, you know, and then on top of all that, right before this in John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. I mean, just right before the last week of his life, he raises a man from the dead who has been dead for four days. Now his power is coming front and center. By the way, I'm just going to give away what this whole message is about. This whole message is about the fact that Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus rode into town and declared himself king in such a public way that there was no going back. He left absolutely no room for you misinterpreting what he was saying. What he was saying when he came into that gate is he was saying, I am the son of God. I am the Christ. I am the savior. You better deal with it. You can reject it. But you cannot like it on Facebook. It's not optional for you to click the heart button on this. You're going to have to make a decision whether you accept it, whether you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You say, that's offensive. Exactly. You're going to have to make the decision. I'm going to have to make the decision whether to take this entrance and to take this moment and this is a journey that Jesus has been on in each of our lives 
It's a progression where he shows us things that he does. And every little miracle he's done along the way in our lives, we have the same opportunity that people that were experiencing the, the miracles in the early days of Jesus had to do, is go, wow, this guy's real, he's authentic. You could have done that already in your life. But if necessary, in every human heart, he will come to this moment where he says, okay, let's eliminate the mystery now. Let's eliminate you putting two and two together. I'm just going to say who I am. And I'm going to force you to choose how you're going to respond to it. So John 11 is, is the moment where there's just really no turning back. When you decide to raise a guy who's been publicly known to be dead for four days, it sets everything off. He, Jesus has spent years doing ministry in the smaller outskirts of Jerusalem. He knew if he ever came into town on this level and revealed himself, especially Zechariah 9.9 riding in on a donkey, which is literally what the Jews knew. No one rode in on a donkey. Why? Because if you did, you were going to get killed. You were declaring yourself king. It was a fulfillment of a scripture that everyone knew. Everyone knew specifically whoever does that is going to have to deal with the consequences because you are saying that you are the Messiah. So this atmosphere is an atmosphere where everything was explosive, but yet Jesus declared himself king. How? I just told you one of the ways. He declared himself king by riding in on a, don on a donkey. And when you think of this, by the way, I love the story where he tells his disciples, go on the outskirts of town and get this donkey. And if anyone says anything, say the Lord needs it. I love that excuse, don't you? I've, I've got to remember that one. That's if I need something in the future. <laughs> If I see, you know, Oreos at your house, it says, bring those and tell, tell the people that the Lord needs it. Uh, but but what's, what's beautiful about this, uh, by the way, this is so sweet, but a, 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 there's a couple that uh, was here this past weekend. Uh, they attend uh, City of Life, but they live in New Jersey. They, or Sorry, I'm sorry, not New Jersey, they live in Buffalo. And um, I'd never met them to the first week of the Should series, and they were here on their honeymoon, <clears throat> and they came up after. They're like, Pastor, our lives have changed because of City of Life. We didn't even really know the Lord, and we started watching online. And we've been attending for months, and when we were deciding where we wanted to go on our honeymoon, we said the only place we can go is Central Florida so we can go to City of Life. And they said, we just love that this is our church, and thank you. It's changed our lives. And I got to meet them. It was so cool. Got to, Aim was here. I said, hey, you met, met the couple. They're so cool. And I, I look at uh, last week of Should. They were sitting here on the third row. And after service was over, I was, like, uh, I was like, what are you guys doing here? They're like, we just missed the church. We found a cheap flight. We just wanted to come to City of Life. So we came back to City of Life, and here they handed me this bag. And in this bag, there was double stuff Oreos. <laughs> there was, there was uh, a Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, and, and they said, we know that's the nectar of heaven. Uh, but then there was a Bill's uh, T-shirt, which I told them I will never wear. Under any scenario, uh, unless they did say they wanted to move here. They said they're thinking about moving here because they want to be at the church. I said, by the way, I mean, which I would love because they're incredibly sweet. But I did tell them, I said, make sure you're not moving here because you think this is the place where everything will make your life work. Because that's not the way life works. I would love to see you guys on a regular basis. But make sure it's the Lord that's speaking to your heart. And you don't think that just because you move to City of Life and you attend here that everything's going to fall into place. 
uh, because we all have one thing in common in our life that uh, every good thing or bad thing that's ever happened to us, no matter where we were, we were there. Uh, so the important thing is that God blesses you wherever you are uh, and you have his presence in your life wherever you are. But I thought that was kind of a cool thing that they, uh, they brought me all that stuff. Those Oreos are gone. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, this is so humble, Jesus riding in on a donkey. Even though it's a fulfillment of Old Testament scripture, you're talking about a king that cannot be compared to any other king who decides to come in on a beast of burden. This is so Jesus. Jesus will not play our games. He will not do things the way we want him to do them. He's saying a, a donkey is a beast of burden. It's a servant animal. And I'm a servant king. So instead of coming in with the kind of parade you want, which is a military parade, with my angel armies of heaven marching behind me, showing that we will conquer whoever stands in our way, I'm going to show that I'm going to conquer by serving. I'm going to conquer by loving. I'm going to conquer. And, and, and don't, what do you say? What do you mean conquer by loving? Well, let me explain to you why that's such a great picture of Jesus. Let's look in Exodus for a second at, at the scripture that tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's a misinterpreted uh, scripture sometimes. Not because God didn't harden his heart. He absolutely did harden his heart. But there are a lot of people that criticize a God that would harden someone's heart and then punish them for the results of their hardened heart. Pharaoh would not release God's people. And the Bible says that God hardened his heart. So I think the mistake here is thinking, first of all, that Pharaoh was a good guy. Pharaoh was an awful person who deeply oppressed and imprisoned uh, God's people. And he was cruel and he was relentless. But he's no different than me or you. All of us are sinful and deserving of hell without a gracious, merciful God that loves us. So what happened is how did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And this relates to Jesus riding in on this donkey and him not doing things the way we want him to do. How did God harden Pharaoh's heart? By loving him. By being kind to him. By whispering to his heart, I love you. And if you do this my way, I'm going to bless you. If you'll just submit yourself to me, I'm going to bless you. If you just release them, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to bring joy into your life. I'm going I'm to bring the, the favor of heaven into your life. But why did Pharaoh's heart become hard? Because when we do not want the things of God and we experience his goodness and his mercy, we don't run to his goodness and mercy. We resist it. Our hearts become, have, have any of you ever had an enemy in your life? Raise your hand if you've ever had, don't lie. Have you ever had someone that just hates you and has declared war on you? They hate you. What happens when you have an enemy? They say, I hate you. And you go, but look, what have I done? Don't talk to me. I hate you. But, but, but I'm, I'm sorry. I said, don't talk. If you talk again, that's an act of war. But can, can, I, can I get you a, a, a gift or anything? I mean, can I buy my way out of this? How, what can I do? Everything you do to someone that hates you hardens your heart toward them. Their kindness is like heaping coals of fire on you. See, so God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. By saying, look what I'm going to do. I'm going to make him not hear anything good. <laughs> no, of course not, because God is fully good. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't take the approach that we want him to take. He rides in on a donkey. 
So he's declaring himself king by fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. Number two, he declares himself king by cleansing the temple. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And he drove all those jokers out. Think about the authority that you have to have to Indiana Jones on some people. Grab a whip. I mean, that's, that's, that's got to be one of the coolest scenes in history. He runs in there and just runs everybody out. He made a whip and chased them out. I saw a documentary once where scholars literally could not comprehend. I was watching non-Christian scholars who believe this to be a historical situation who were going back and forth saying, we don't know how he wasn't arrested right here. The only thing they could come up with is that although the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and Sadducees and Jewish leaders were intimidated by him and, 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 were, and wanted to bust him, they knew that if they did something right then, the people would turn on them. Because he was so holy. And he declares himself king by overturning the, the money changers. Number three, he declared himself king by healing. In Matthew 21, it says the blind and the lame came to him and he healed them. He's saying here, I'm not a pretender. <laughs> How many people know you can't pretend to raise somebody from the dead? If they get up, you did it. That's exactly what he did. And he's healing blind people. He's healing people that can't walk. Uh, it's a fulfillment of Isaiah. He's fulfilling scripture. So in the first one, when he, he comes in on a donkey, he's fulfilling scripture. And the second one I'm talking, in the second one I was talking about, he declares himself king by uh, cleansing the temple. That's a fulfillment of scripture as well. Isaiah 56 says, my house will be called a house of prayer. Jeremiah 7:11 says, has this house which bears my name become a, a den of robbers to you? That's the scripture that he quotes. So he's all of this is messianic scripture fulfillment. The third one, he declared himself king by healing. That's a fulfillment of Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. Then the eyes of the blind will open the lame, the lame leap like a deer. Everything he's doing. Fulfillment. Fulfillment of scripture. And then in Matthew 21, he says, it says, when the chief priests and the teachers of the law, I love, this is my favorite one, saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna. To the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? Don't you love his answer? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that the best? They're praising you. Yeah, I know. And isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? And, and he replies, have you never read? And what does he do? He quotes Psalm 8. One and two, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. <laughs> Even when they were saying Hosanna when he came in on the donkey, does anyone know what Hosanna means? I would think that a lot of people would believe it to mean praise. Because they say, pray, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, it's, it's not like a shout of praise. But actually what it means is save now. Save now. It's something that you would shout if you were drowning. Save now. So as they were praising him, what they were meaning is save me now the way I want to be saved. Not necessarily the way you are saving, but the way I want to be saved. And here is the place where my Popeye's chicken 
analogy starts working because I'm asking you about your expectations of Jesus. Because you have some expectations. But I got news for you. God has to really get a hold of our hearts to meet our expectations and exceed them with who he actually is because our expectations are so weak and misguided. We're wanting a very specific thing. We're wanting someone to do things our way, but that's not what he offers. There's only one throne in your heart and Jesus is not gonna compete for it. That day he forced everybody to make a choice. And I think that that's exactly what he's doing today. And let's not forget, Jesus wept when he saw Lazarus in the tomb. He saw everyone crying. He was moved with compassion, why? Because as he looked at the fallen nature of the world and death and the consequence of sin, it was heartbreaking to him. And he just said, he was thinking, I wish it didn't have to be like this. And in the same way, when we read that in Luke 19, that Jesus looks at Jerusalem as all this stuff is happening and he starts weeping, why? Because he says, you don't really realize who I am and what I'm offering. I wonder how many people are in church today or watching online or preaching in pulpits all over the world who don't even realize. You say, what do you mean preaching in a pulpit? I mean, the Bible does say that many, many will, many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and do all these great signs and wonders? And I'll say, get away from me. I never even knew you. They're Christians that think they're Christians and they're not. That probably means there's a lot of preachers that think they're preachers and they're Christian preachers and they're preaching Christian text, but they need to make a decision in their heart. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't get me. And the Jesus that is being offered is only one Jesus. He's only offering one thing. He's offering total control of your life. And I hope today that we don't pick up the palm branch and say, wow, Jesus is gonna end oppression, defeat Rome, liberate Israel, bring me un unprecedented success, Hosanna in the highest. And then we go, wait a minute, forgive my enemies, pray for people that persecute me. I'm, I'm putting this palm branch down. Wait a minute. You're gonna end coronavirus. I'm gonna get my job back. I'm gonna have more money than I ever had before, but I have to, I'll be able to work at home so I don't have to do anything outside my house or never leave again. I can have Uber Eats four times a day. You're gonna do all that stuff. I, Hosanna! Oh, wait a minute. I have to actually be kind to people. Wait a minute, I can't live in a world where all I do is fulfill my own lusts and my own desires. I can't be the center of my own universe. I'm gonna put that palm branch back down. There's only one Jesus that's being offered here. So pick up your palm branch. Today is the day that we shout Hosanna in the highest. We shout save now. Save now from myself. Save now from desires that are not high enough. Let my highest desire be you. I need saving. It's a cry for help. Hosanna is a cry for help. 
We need to cry Hosanna this Palm Sunday like we never have before. We need to accept this humble king that's riding in on a donkey. And anyone that criticizes that, we need to say, that's my king. He's the king that came to serve. He's the king that came to save. He is Jesus Christ, the son of God. He is the king that I worship and I live my life for. But I will tell you this, you stay on your feet. And if you're not on your feet, you should stand on your feet. And if you're watching online and you're driving, stand up in your car. I don't know what that means. Don't do that. Someone's going to get mad about that. This is a stand-up moment. He may have come on that donkey, but it was only to illustrate that on this planet he came to serve. Because Revelation 19 11 says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him and riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen white and clean coming out of his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword which is to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of god almighty on his robe and on his thigh his name is written king of kings and lord of lords that's the jesus Woo! that's the jesus we serve today He didn't have to come with a fanfare. See, but you only get the Jesus I just talked about if you accept the Jesus that rode in on the donkey. You only get that glory if you share in the suffering. So I tell you on Palm Sunday today, let's accept Jesus. Let's cry out to him, save now. Come on, could you lift your hands to heaven? And say Hosanna in the highest say save now say save me from my sin save me from my weak expectations I confess that you are Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior you came into Jerusalem on that donkey, a humble servant, so I could see in you something glorious, a heart to serve. Give me that heart. Forgive me of my sins as I put my faith in you, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.